Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Y'all made it. Uh, how many of you um, shoveled your driveways or did the snowblower thing this morning? Yeah, how many of you just uh, gunned it, said a prayer, and just backed out like a crazy person? <laughs> how many of you decided just to stay home and watch online? <laughs> Let's be honest. We're glad you're here too. And if you're a guest, hey, I want to welcome you. We're so glad that uh, all of you made it uh, this morning. Be careful. Be safe out there. Uh, we did just get, uh, some of you saw the email this, this past week. Uh, guys, can we um, just celebrate uh, Kelly Hedberg stepping into this worship interim uh, director role? Can we just give her, she's still going to be working in her, uh, as a student pastor in her swap role, just so you guys know. So she's going to be really busy uh, taking on both things. And she has another job. So uh, we're very thankful for Kelly. I did want to uh, just put the handout in front of you. Um, hopefully you guys are grabbing this. Uh, it tells you about so many things going on here at Edinburgh Church. Uh, we've got things like uh, a class on how to listen to the Holy Spirit coming up. Uh, looks like that starts next week. We got a men's breakfast coming up. We got the new members class coming up. So a lot of things going on around here. Make sure you're grabbing a handout. It'll keep you up to date with all the things happening here at Edinburgh Church. And I just wanted to take a moment uh, to tell you, it, it, last week uh, we, had, we celebrated our six baptisms, right, during the service. What some of you don't know is after the service, someone came down and said, I want to receive Jesus into my life and then got baptized. Some of you were still out in the lobby. Yeah, we can, we can give Savannah a round of applause. Uh, some of you are probably still about 40, 50 of you still out in the, the lobby. You guys came in and we had a special service just for, for Savannah. But guys, isn't that cool what God's doing here at Edinburgh Church? Seeing lives transformed. So, so thankful uh, for you, your generosity, everything you guys do, uh, and your prayers uh, so that we can build the kingdom together. Um. Some of you will also remember last year, uh, your pastor got a new car. And some of you remember that because you used to make fun of my old car. In fact, when I told you I got a new car, you guys actually applauded. You were so happy that pastor finally got a new car. I was driving my Kia Spectra. And, uh, you know, there was a, I'd had that car for, for roughly 15 years um, it was an old car. A lot had broken on it, okay? Uh, the heat had broken. If I went, like, past, like, the three-quarter mark with, like, the heat, it just shut off. Kind of a problem in Minnesota, right? Uh, the, the audio system had stopped working. The audio system was broken, so my heat was broken. The audio system was broken, okay? Um, the one good thing I had going for me was uh, I'd had that car for 15 years. Miraculously, I had kept it under 100,000 miles. But then actually we learned it was because the speedometer was broken as well. <laughs> um, so... Um, there was a lot wrong with that car, and it was so nice when I stepped into my new, my new Jeep. Going from that, that old car, had so many things wrong with it, so many things broken, and getting into something that was new is working. We, we tend to like things that are new. We tend to like receiving things that are new. Stepping into things that are new, as long as they're 
they're good. And, and one of the things we learn about God is God loves new. God loves to do something new in our lives. He loves to do something new in the world. We see this uh, all throughout the scriptures. In fact, Isaiah himself, four times as he's looking forward to the Messiah, says God is about to do something new. Ezekiel talks about God giving us a, a new heart, a heart of flesh, taking away the old, the heart of stone. Uh, Jesus himself talks about new wineskins for the new wine that's going to be poured out. This is called talking about the new covenant or what we call the New Testament, right? We have a, a, a half of the Bible, right? We, we call it the New Testament. It's the new covenant. And then, of course, you can fast forward to Revelation and we're, we're, we're told about the new heavens and the new earth that one day will come. We see that God is in the business of new. He loves to do something new. Now, we are in a, a series right now called The Scarlet Thread, where we are looking at Genesis and finding Jesus in these prophecies, events, people that all point us to the coming of Jesus Christ. And, and I said that the Bible itself tells one single story, and really, if you boiled it down, it, it's a story about God's plan for redemption. It's a story about God's plan to forgive us, about Jesus coming to die on the cross, to shed his blood so that you and I could be reconciled to God and could enjoy a lifetime of fellowship with God here on earth and then get to ultimately enjoy an eternity with God in heaven. He said, if you cut the Bible it's going to bleed because it's all about Christ and the sacrifice he would make for us to be reunited with God. And this morning, I want us to look at this aspect of the new creation. And so I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going to start with actually a New Testament passage. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Paul says this. He says, if anyone is in Christ, so he's talking about Christians here. He says, the new creation has come. The new. The old has gone, and the new is here. In a moment, I'm going to tell you why I used to really struggle with this passage. In fact, if I had to be brutally honest, I used to hate this scripture. I used to hate this passage, and I'm going to tell you in a moment why that is, why I cha I, it challenged me so much. But before we talk about that, we need to back up to the very beginning. And when I mean the very beginning, I mean the very beginning. I'm talking about Genesis 1-1 here. We read in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so this is a summary view of God creating the heavens and the earth, and now it's going to go into detail about how God created. We read in verse 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, I don't want to take away from the literalness of what this, this, this is teaching, but you need to understand something poetic is also happening here. For, for the Jewish reader... The way they understand the waters and the way they understand darkness, they understand it as one thing. They understand it as chaos. 
The waters represented chaos. They thought about the ocean, right, where there was no stability and waves tossing to and fro, right? This is the idea of chaos where life just isn't sustainable in the darkness, in the emptiness, in the waters. But what is God going to do? He's going to begin to bring order into the chaos. And so we know the first day of creation, right, he creates light. And and let me just say, what, this is a little bit of a, Bible trivia question for us. What day of the week would the first day of creation landed on? I want you to think about it for a second. What day of the week would the first day of creation landed on? Just a little Bible trivia for you. I'll, tell you. I'll give you a clue. It wasn't Monday. It was actually Sunday. Okay? Because we know that according to the Old Testament, when did they celebrate Sabbath? Saturday. So the first day of the week was actually a Sunday. Just a little Bible trivia for you. Okay, we know day two, God creates the sky, right? And then day three, God brings the land and vegetation. Day four, right, we're told about the, uh, you know, the the sun and the moon and heavenly lights. And then, uh, you know, five, God's creating the, the ocean life. We're told it was, that the oceans were teeming with this idea of life. It's important for us. And then we know day six, right? He creates animal life and his crowning achievement is, is man. And so what do we see God doing? We see him bringing order and, and life into the chaos. But as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, Adam and Eve, they eat the forbidden fruit, they sin. And what happens? The chaos returns. Chaos comes back into the world, and death now with it. In fact, if we fast forward three chapters from when Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit, what is literally going to return to the earth? The waters, the chaos, the flood. In fact, next week we're going to talk about Noah and the ark. So we see the story. Are you seeing how this is playing out? Chaos. God brings order. He brings life, sin, disorder. Chaos returns. And all through the Old Testament, it's just chaotic. Death. Until we get to John 1. Listen to what we read in John 1. It says, in the beginning. Are you hearing the echo? This is the echo back to Genesis 1-1 of creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, who is this talking about? Let me just say, if you're newer to church and the pastor asks you that question, just say Jesus, Okay. 95% of the time, you will be correct. This is talking about Jesus. He was with God the Father, but he's also fully God, and he is the one who is creating in the beginning. So who is the creator? Who was the one doing the creation? Jesus, all right? It says he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life, 
was the light of all mankind. Are you hearing the echoes back to creation? So Jesus comes onto the scene, okay? And what does Jesus bring? Order. Life. He brings order and life with him. In fact, I love what Paul says in Romans 6, 3 through 4. Listen to this. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, he's talking about spiritual baptism here. Okay, the moment you believed in Christ, you were baptized spiritually. It's not talking about water baptism, what we saw last week. This is why we do water baptism, to symbolize this. He says, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus became one with Jesus spiritually, that we were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So something about Jesus' resurrection brings something new. I asked you earlier, I said, what was the first day of creation? And we established it was Sunday. What day was Jesus raised from the dead? Sunday. What is God telling us here? New creation has come. There is now a new created order. The creator has come back into the chaos. He has actually come to earth, into the midst of the chaos, to bring about new creation. Friday would have been the last day of the original creation. Would have been a Friday. Where God said it is really good. God could have said something else there. It is finished. <laughs> now we have Friday. We have Jesus saying on Friday, the last day of the old creation, it is finished. And then what does he do? He takes a Sabbath of sorts in the tomb, and then Sunday, boom, new creation. Which brings us to the 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has, has come. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this old Levi's commercial. There was a Levi's commercial where a guy got out of bed in the morning, and uh, he went to put on his pants, and when he puts up, pulls up his pants, he, like, he pulls them up, and you remember like all of the city that he's in, like, raises. Does anybody remember this commercial? Like, he pulls up, and as, as, as he's pulling up his pants, all of the city also raises, like, the buildings, even the concrete, like, streets, they all, everything rises. You know what I'm saying? This is kind of what happened. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it was like everything was raised. Everything was moved. Everything was changed. Everything that was in him was changed. And became new. That's why Paul can tell us we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Everything in Christ was raised to new life. But when I would read this 2 Corinthians 5.17 passage, and it says, if anything, it says the new has come. So if, 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 if we've been raised in Christ, and if, if everything has been made new, um, then that means... Guys, we, we've, we've arrived, right? 
No more struggles. You're not going to have any more struggles with sin any longer. Nothing's going to tempt you. You're not going to struggle with anxiety and, and depression and the things of this world anymore, right? Because if we've been raised, if we become a new creation, we're part of this new kingdom, then we don't have any problems anymore, right? We don't have any struggles anymore. We all know that that's not true. That's not our experience. That's not the case. And so I remember being a young Christian and reading 2 Corinthians 5.17 going, I'm supposed to be new. If anyone is in Christ, I'm a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Why don't I feel like it? Anybody else have days like that? So I struggled with this passage. To be honest, I hated this passage for the longest of time because I, re I remember early on in my Christian walk, I'm struggling with regret. I'm struggling with shame. I'm embarrassed about things I've done. I'm embarrassed about things I'm still doing. I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with anxiety. My life is a mess. And then the pastor gets up and says, we are a new creation. And I'm like, I don't feel that way. I got baptized, right? And I was like, okay, once I get baptized, then it's all going to change. And I remember the day I got baptized, and I did come out of the waters, and it was like I was on this high. And I was like, man, it's going to be different from now on. Guys, I didn't get home from the baptism service. Before I started having thoughts going on in my mind that made me think, oh, my goodness. And certainly by the next day, I was thinking I needed to get baptized all over again. We're talking about a day later. I was thinking I did something wrong. Something didn't work. The pastor must have said something wrong, said a wrong word or something. And I was thinking I needed to get baptized all over again. I don't know if you've ever found yourself there. It's like if we're supposed to be a new creation, what do we do when we don't feel new? So I want to show you something that helped me, okay, in my Christian walk. This just helped me to understand um, why I, we have days like that. Um, this is something we could call the Christian process. And, and I just want to walk us through this. I think this might be helpful for some of you to understand this thing we call the Christian process. It starts with something we call justification. Okay? Justification, how we, you might think of it, it it's, it's the moment you got saved. It's, it's the moment you received Christ into your life. And what you were really receiving into your life was his righteousness being given to you so that God looks at you, and as we've talked the last couple weeks, what does he see? He sees the righteousness of Jesus credited to your account. So this idea of justification was a legal term that a judge would use in a courtroom. He would slap the gavel down and say, you are justified meaning you are in the right, you are innocent, you are off the hook, you can go in peace. When we receive Christ, God the Father slaps the gavel down and says, you have been justified. It's not your righteousness, it's not your goodness, it's the righteousness of Christ given to you that gets you off of the hook. This is being justified, okay? This is step one in becoming a Christian. I'm going to fast forward to step three here, which is what we call glorification, okay? Glorification is the moment we step into heaven and see Christ face to face. And in that moment, everything in us is going to change. We can't even get our minds around what that's going to be like. Our sin nature will be no more. We're not going to battle the sin nature any longer. And you and I are going to be filled with the Spirit so much that the fruits of the Spirit are going to be, we're going to experience it like we never have here on earth. And it's going to be the happiest day of your life, okay? If you are in Christ, it's going to be the happiest day of your life. We can trust that the best 
is still yet to come because we have glorification to look forward to. But what about in the meantime? We haven't been glorified yet. So where are we today? Well, this is step two. We get justified, but then we enter into what we call sanctification. Okay? And sanctification just means it's God doing a work in you. It's God starting to shape your life, to make you holy as he is holy. More specifically, it's God beginning to shape your life to look more and more like Jesus Christ. This is what we mean by sanctification. And all of us who are in Christ today, who have breath in us, does everybody, everyone breathing still? Raise your hand if you're not, I guess. I don't. If you are in Christ and you are breathing, you need to understand, you have not been glorified yet. You haven't arrived yet. You are in this messy, difficult, challenging process called sanctification where God is shaping you to look more and more like Jesus. Now, some days, you see, it kind of looks like the stock market, right? Ups and downs, ups and downs. Some days we have the up days. And let's be very thankful for the up days. These are the days where you are feeling alive in God. You feel filled with the Spirit. You're loving your spouse. You're, you're loving your parents. You're loving your kids. You're, you're kind. You're, you're just feeling it. You're walking in it. These, these, thank God for days where we, we're at the top of one of these peaks. But let's also be honest. Do we not also have the days that it's more of the dip? We have days like that, too. In fact, sometimes we have entire seasons like that where we experience the, 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 the dip, and it doesn't feel like we're walking with God like we should, and it doesn't feel like we're walking the walk and talking the talk like we want to, okay? And, and I think one of the reasons it's important to understand this is because so many Christians I've learned over the years, when they fall into this dip and then they hear a passage like, I'm a new creation, they get discouraged. And that might be even where some of you are at today. You're like, I thought I was supposed to be a new creation, then why am I struggling? Why do I still have these challenges in my life? Why am I still uh, dealing with this sin issue in my life? And you get discouraged. And a lot of Christians end up walking away from God, even the church, because they didn't understand that they were a work in progress. And, and so here's what I want to say to you. If, if that's you, today maybe you're, you're in that season of the dip. I, I, I just, <laughs> what I want to say to you, and maybe you've never heard a pastor tell you this. I, I want to, friends, it's okay. It's okay. It's a part of the process. Now, I don't want you to stay there. God wasn't, doesn't want you to stay there. In fact, here's what I've learned. I've learned that the dips oftentimes can become the greatest catalyst for moving us towards growth. If we will learn from our mistakes and we will grow from our mistakes, God can use those in powerful ways in our life to grow us in our faith. In fact, we don't even have to call them mistakes anymore. You know what we can call them? We can call it education. And education is expensive, so free education. And be honest, some of you would say, I'm very educated. Some of you have a PhD in life. You're looking at a man who does. And I have grown more from my mistakes and my failures and the things God has taught me than I even did standing on those mountain peaks. 
if we will learn, God can use it as a catalyst to move us into greater things. And isn't that what we all want? We want to move up closer to glorification because as we do that, that's where we experience more of God. That's where we get a little more taste of heaven. That's where we see God filling us more with his spirit. We want those days. Order and life returning to our lives, returning to our homes, returning to our families, our church. We long for that. But we have to step back and recognize we are in this messy process of sanctification. But here's what we can trust. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he's going to carry it on to completion. You can trust that God will do this work in your life. God will carry it on to completion and move your life towards glorification. Sometimes he'll use the carrot. Sometimes he'll use the stick. Can we just be honest? But that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because God sees a masterpiece, even if you can't see it today. Many of us are familiar with Michelangelo's David sculpture. It's considered one of the greatest pieces of art in, in, in the world. You see the resemblance? It's actually, it's not a self-portrait, folks. That's not, that wasn't shaped after me. Um, it's shaped after David in the Bible. But here's what you maybe don't know, right? This is, this is a, a work of art that is um, now in Florence, Italy, in a museum there. What I didn't know, though, was that two other artists were commissioned before Michelangelo to create this statue. The first uh, was given this slab of marble to, to, to make the statue with, and he started roughly around the legs, but eventually gave up because the marble, the quality of the marble was so poor. And so then a second artist was commissioned. The second artist uh, showed up, looked at the slab of marble, and said, I'm not going to even begin. This, this, this marble is imperfect. It, it won't work. It's got holes in it. And, and it's going to be very fragile and difficult to work with. Well, that's when Michelangelo came on the scene. And Michelangelo, he worked with those imperfections and through those imperfections, even used those imperfections to integrate it into what he ultimately created. And Eventually, it became what it is today, a work of art, one of the greatest pieces of art of all time. Some of you here today, maybe you don't think God can use your life. Maybe you're very aware of the guilt within Maybe you can't see the masterpiece. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. God can see it. And he works through imperfect people to accomplish amazing things. He works through imperfect people to bring himself glory as the master artist. The key for us is to trust God in the process. Whether you're sitting at a peak today or whether you're at one of those dips today, here's what I want you to know. If you are in Christ, God is working in your life to shape you into a new creation. It's not a one-time thing, friends. It is a process. And you are a work in process. But God can see the masterpiece. Do you trust that?
So very quickly here, what do you do when you don't feel new? I'm just going to give you two quick things to remember this week. What do you do when you don't feel new first? You remember that you get do-overs. Our God is a God who gives do-overs. Remember when Peter shows up, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? Forgive my brother seven times? What does Jesus say? Seventy times seven. Friends, that's the heart of God. You need a do-over today. You are talking. You, we are dealing with a God who is in the business of giving do-overs. He is a God of grace and love. And if you need a do-over, he can give you a do-over today. He's just saying learn from it, grow from it, and I will use it in your life to move you into greater things. And secondly, remember that Christ is sufficient. Isn't this what we've been talking about in this series? That understand in the messiness of this process of sanctification, here's what I want you to understand. We are all safe, not because of our righteousness, because of the righteousness of Jesus that covers us. I think we have a final image. Friends, as we're in this process, we are covered with the righteous blood of Jesus. So can we just rest today? Can we find a little peace today? Can we just trust that God's doing a work? He's shaping us towards this work of art. He's, as the master artist in our lives, knowing that it's not my righteousness. It's not my goodness. It's the righteousness of Christ that brings me into the new creation and keeps me into the new creation so that God can shape me into the work of art he sees. So we're going to get to end today by taking some communion. I hope everyone grabbed a cup. If you didn't, you can raise a hand. We got people in the back who will bring you a cup. I feel like it's really appropriate to take communion today together. After talking about Jesus being the one who brings about this new creation shaping us into a new creation. And just so you guys know, this is non-alcoholic, it's gluten-free, if anyone's wondering. So we can all take part in this, but I want to read for you, for you a text that comes from Colossians 1. And I just want us to meditate on this as we take communion together. I want us to hear this, hear what God's doing. The one who brought the new creation, the new created order. We read the Son, it's talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. You have been created for him. Jesus came to bring the new creation so that you could spend eternity with him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. 
Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Is he talking about your righteousness here? He's talking about the righteousness Christ earned for us. That's why we can come before God this morning free of blemish, free from accusation of the devil. Devil, it has nothing to do with my righteousness. It has to do with the righteousness of Christ. Church, we got to get this. It says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. What is the gospel? The creator came to bring about a new creation, and he gave his body, and he was raised from the dead. So something new could happen. Something new could happen in your life. You could step into something new, live for something new, experience something new. Why? Because Jesus was willing to lay down his life out of love for you and me. Amen? All, all through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, we get to experience something new. So let's take the, the wafer here. Sometimes you really got to get your fingernail in there. <laughs> now we're going to say, thank you, Jesus. Wow that you would end the old creation with your body being broken on that cross so that we could step into something new. We say, thank you, Jesus. Mm. Jesus, you are so good. This wafer isn't, but you are. <laughs> and then we take the cup. represents the, the blood poured out, the sacrificial perfect blood that washes you and I clean, that, that covers us as we're in the sanctification process. It's this blood that moves you and me into glorification, friends. It was this blood that brought you and I into justification. It's only because of Jesus. And so we say, thank Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your blood. We don't know what else to say. We can't say it enough. All we can do is drink and say we want you. Oh, Jesus. Thank you for the work you're doing in our lives, God. I just pray that um, today, this week, we will remember that we were created for you, we were saved by you, we were brought into the sanctification process by you, and that you are shaping us into something a work that we could never do on our own. And so help us to trust you in the process, Lord. Help us to know that you give do-overs. If there's somebody who needs a do-over this morning, I pray they'll receive it. They'll just turn from their sin and say, Jesus, I want a do-over. I ask you for that today. And I pray that as a church, God, we will rest in your sacrifice, in your death, in your resurrection procures for us a righteousness that is not our own so that we can have peace and rest as we walk out of here today. Now, Lord, we want to praise you and give you the worship that you are due. And all God's people said,